You're listening to Sharing Life. Hello, welcome to episode eight of Sharing Life, where our goal is to share friendship and good conversation with regard to our faith. I'm Dr. Troy Hinkle, and I'm joined again by my son, Nicholas Hinkle. How's Nicholas, it going? thanks for being here. Thanks and uh, we're, uh, we're going to do something special in this episode. I really want to honor the life of a woman who recently passed away. And this woman is responsible as much as anyone for my own conversion. And her name is Charlene Mackignon. So we're going to talk about her, about Mary, the rosary, and conversion today. To begin, I'd like to open with prayer, and I'm going to read a passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's a passage where he extols his mission, his role, to be a witness of Jesus Christ to the Ephesians to bring about their salvation. So let us call to mind that we are ever in the presence of Almighty God, in whom we live and move and have our being. We call upon him in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is how the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. St. Paul, we honor you in the witness and testimony that you have given to help us become believers in Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel, to help us repent from sin and to desire and enter into deeper union with God. We also thank the gift of Mary, who is the help of the Christians, and who in a special way, through the witness of Shar, brought me to repentance and conversion, that I too might accept the gospel and its transforming power in my life, and that those of us in our audience may experience the same if we haven't already, and may help be instruments to do the same with those who need it. We ask this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, help of the Christians. Pray, pray for, for us. us. And may Charmacanyon rest in peace. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so Nicholas, thanks for joining me. Um, I know you know some of my story. I don't remember how much of it you know. But uh, before, <laughs> I know most of your stories, yeah, Dad. Before, I've I guess that's been true. I've you a long time. <laughs> I guess that's true. It's like you've known me your whole life or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, before we do, I want to give a little context here. Um, every January 1st, our family does something uh, that's kind of cool. We go on Jennifer Fullwilder's website, and she has a, a thing on her website called the Saint Generator, and you just click on it, and it kind of spits out a name. We do this every January 1st, Feast of the Mother of God, so that we get a new saint to walk with and get to know, and who can get to know us and intercede for us for the year. So my saint this year was Saint Zita. And she is from uh, Lucca, northern Italy. Uh, she was in the 1400s and was a maidservant and is therefore patron of maidservants and waiters and waitresses, among other things. She's also um, just a beautiful witness of a simple life, a hidden life in God. 
on Monday, this past Monday, when we're recording this, it was the Feast of St. Zita. And so I was really excited because St. Zita actually helped me find something I was looking for. She, <laughs> she by the way, is patroness of lost objects. Hey. Apparently St. Anthony needs the help. <laughs> but it was on that day that I received a text from my father that Charlene Mackignon had passed away. Char was uh, suffering from Alzheimer's for the last several years. And so I thought it, it very interesting that on the day of the special saint that I have for this particular year, I received this news. And it just so happened that when the news came to me, Nicholas and I and the whole Holy Family School of Faith team were having a meeting on Zoom or one of those, uh, one of the, one of the apps, um, uh, apps that enable video. you to do a, a group video meeting. And, um, and we were studying the writings of St. John Paul on the rosary. And so then I get this text from my father, and I thought, how significant on the Feast of St. Zita, while we're having a meeting in Holy Family School of Faith, an organization I helped co-found for the sole purposes of bringing people to conversion, to discover the power of the gospel, to come to Jesus through Mary, because that sums up my life and the life of Dr. Mike Scherzlick, the founder of our organization. So we thought, now's the time during this lockdown to really study what the church teaches about the rosary so that we can more um, willingly and zealously promote it as witnesses when I get this this text about Char. So um, Nicholas was in on the meeting too, and, right. and uh, uh, I kind of interrupted the meeting. But, uh, but Nick, that's why I did that. So... Um, I'm at pains here to try to get the ball rolling because I, what I really want to do is just share her and <laughs> well, the here, story. I'll, I'll, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I want to be, I'll be the uh, you in this in this episode. I'll, I'll ask the questions. Okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> I'll interview you. You've been waiting to do I've this been anyway. Waiting. Finally, I'm finally taking, your chance. Taking your place. <laughs> okay, so uh, Dad, uh, we've already talked a little bit about your conversion, but maybe just a brief story of what your life was like. Uh, just before meeting this woman, Shar. Oh, good question, Nicholas. This would have been back in 1989. I was a sophomore in college. I was going to night school. I was paying for my college because I'd been in the military. That's how I paid for college. And while in the military, I lost my faith, or at least I quit practicing. But I still considered myself someone who believed in God. I just wasn't sure beyond that how to know in what I could place my hope and my confidence. And I was willing to believe anything. I just wanted to know if it were true. So after I left the army, I began my search. And actually, the university was not a conducive place for a search. What? If, if what you're looking for was solid, stable truth. And now I went to a state school. And unfortunately, it just compounded my confusion to the point where I had concluded that if there is no such thing as truth, that life was not just meaningless, as some of the atheist philosophers claimed, like Jean-Paul Sartre, but further that it was cruel, because we're born with this, or at least I was born with this, insatiable hunger for knowledge and for truth. I thought the university was the place to have that fed, and I was being told there is no truth. It was up for me to find it and figure it out for myself, which right. was the same as saying there was right. no such thing. So it left me very disturbed. Yeah. And, and I guess, how did that realization impact the rest of your life? 
Yeah, so I was searching. I didn't realize that I was getting involved in the New Age because of a book that I'd come across, a book my father had come across that he shared with me that was just a a popular book in metaphysical and New Age bookstores at that time called the Urantia Book. And this Urantia Book uh, claimed to have been written by beings of a higher existence, a higher intelligence, who were watching this planet and visiting it, I guess kind of like extraterrestrials, and then wrote this book. I'm serious. Wow. Yeah, and, and they claim to, to answer uh, questions uh, on science and religion and who Jesus was and how world religions all come together. But what it did as a result was really undermined any vestigial remnants I had of Catholicism, of Christianity, and of the truth of Christ. And I also was very very depressed to the point where I had even tried suicide only because I thought if life, if this is the best that life can do, then I, I'm, I don't want to live. If life is meaningless and cruel, I'm done with it. So that's kind of where I was. Take it to the fall of 1989 or so. So, so the stage is set. You're, you're thirsting for meaning. You don't know what, uh, the future holds. It's all grim and dark. So how is it that you met this woman? Yeah, well, I actually um, started for one reason or another having doubts in this Urantia book that I was reading. That, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, You're I kidding. know. Surprise! How could I doubt such <laughs> such a beautiful, the uh, aliens, a uh, uh, believable claim that aliens wrote it and Urantia was the name that they'd given this planet? I know, as crazy as it was, this shows you my level of formation, which yeah, was just yeah. awful coming out of the 70s and 80s in the Catholic Church. And I was starting to doubt it, mostly because of things I was learning and statements I was receiving from my professors in college. And uh, I was just so confused. So my mom could tell that I was in this deep, dark place, and I was really searching and having trouble finding answers. She knew that I had pretty much given up on Christianity in general, Catholicism in particular, to the point where I had even concluded that the Bible was all myth. I, I, I was ready to believe the Urantia book, the Bible I, w- I had already dismissed. When she had heard about this woman who had gone to this place in what was then Yugoslavia, what's now Bosnia-Herzegovina, a place called Medjugorje. This woman, whose name was Char Mackignon, had claimed to have had a deep transforming encounter with God, so much so that she had visited Medjugorje several times, and it had thoroughly converted her and certain members of her family, and she wanted to share her story. I'm not exactly sure how my mom met her, but Char attended the same Catholic church I grew up in, and even though I was no longer attending church at all, and my parents had moved, and they too were no longer attending that church, they were still in the same city. So probably through mutual acquaintance, my mom doesn't even remember, uh, she re- my mom received Char's name. So she invited Char to come, give her testimony at our house, my parents' house rather, and my mom made sure I was going to be there and with other people. And I wish I would have written down that night because it was so significant in my life. (laughs) I think of St. John in his gospel, where he's got the day, the hour, the time of day, everything written of when he met Christ and how his life changed. I was so skeptical 
that I thought, well, I'll come hear her, but I thought this is just a waste of time. I know that, sure, she's going to believe that she had an experience with God, but it's only because she fears death. That Freudian belief that we have religion only because we fear death convinced me that that was my only reason why I believed in religion. Mm -hmm. And I wanted something better than that. And if that was the only reason, then I was done with it. So I didn't pay attention to the the day, the month. I just remember it was the fall of 1989. And um, and Char came, and I was there. So she shows up at Mm -hmm. your parents' house. Mm -hmm. You're thinking it's just going to be a hokey kind of, uh, maybe just uh, a, a... talking about feelings and about something that's very, very subjective. Uh, what was the talk about? Yeah, so she began sharing her background. And even though she was older than my mom, she had such a similar story. And so as she was sharing her background, I related. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I, I hear you. Right. Then she talked about the new age, and I really didn't know what that was. But she described it, and it sounded similar to what I was reading in this book, this Urantia book. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Then she talked about, out of desperation, why she'd gone to this remote village where seven children, and they were still very young at that time, had seven years prior, as I said, this was 1989, so 1982 or 81, seven or eight years prior, started receiving visions that they claimed were from the Blessed Virgin Mary. Well, that piqued my interest. I thought, okay, what kind of proof? And the first proof that she offered was just the change in her own life. I thought, okay, well, I've been trying to change my life, but I kept falling right back into the same sins and the same bad habits, no matter how hard I tried. So I knew that I did not have the power to change my life. And so I thought, okay, that's something. Then she talked about how it changed the life of the children. I thought, okay, that was something more, but I was still skeptical. Then she talked about the messages themselves. And as she started sharing some of the messages, I felt that our Blessed Virgin Mary was speaking to me. Our Blessed Mother was speaking to me. But I still was shaking that off. I was resisting because I thought, you're just believing this, Troy, because you want to, because you fear death. You're subjective. Mm. You're not thinking scientifically about this. I had this um, elevated view of science, as I'm sure most people have had in one time or another in their life, that that was just pure objective knowledge, purely neutral no political agenda, no philosophical presuppositions, just pure Dr. Spock or Mr. Spock, rather, off Star Trek's <laughs> uh, approach to the life. And I'm thinking, where's the science? Then she showed a video, very amateur-made video, but it was of scientists who went there and who studied the children and could, could not refute uh, their claims, and because they also interviewed uh, interesting people who were involved in the government and the church who doubted the children at first and slowly grew convinced. And I remember in this video a scientist speaking to the camera and saying, I'm a scientist, this is how I operate, but I'm also a Catholic. This seems legitimate to me, and here's why. And he gave his testimony. Mm-hmm. That has a huge impact on me. Uh, then she 
showed another video that was very well done, narrated by Martin Sheen, huh. who I was a fan of his because I liked his movie Apocalypse Now. It was one of my favorite <laughs> movies at the time. And that that really spoke to me. Then when she was done with that part of her testimony, she again turned to us. She held up the rosary, told us that if we're seeking to know the truth, if we want to know God, start praying the rosary. And by then, I was reduced to tears. I felt shackles of skepticism, sin, darkness, and doubt break inside of me and fall. And I had to just excuse myself from the room and kind of scoot out and not be seen. And I went back to a back room in my parents' house and I just began bawling my eyes out because I wanted to believe this so desperately. Mm. So that was kind of a synopsis of the evening and Shar's witness to me. Yeah. So what exactly would you say was the turning point for you inside of your heart? Did it happen that night? Was it, was it, was it just kind of a, uh, you know, a 180 degree turnaround? Was it? Yeah, I, it was, it was such a powerful moment where I felt freedom from skepticism because I could not accept any religious truth claims without being skeptical. And that is the influence of our modern so-called culture. Well, I felt that break. And I thought that the um, root of skepticism was just intellectual, just hard, cold, intellectual pursuit. But what I felt was something different than that. I, when I felt it fall away, that it was maybe moral or spiritual in root, not just intellectual. And I couldn't process that. And I remember it took me years of thinking back on it for me to figure this out. And after Char left, she gave my mom, your grandmother, a rosary, which I, which I still have, from Medjugorje, smelled like roses, made of rosewood. And my mom brought it back to me. And she said, what is the matter with you? And she could tell my eyes were all wet. And she said, and then she realized he's having a moment. And she just handed me the rosary. And she said, Char wanted you to have this. And she said, tell your son to begin praying this every day. And I can't remember how she worded it, but something to the effect of all of his confusion will clear up or something to that effect. And I was just, again, that was so prophetic because I was covered in confusion clouded in it so I began doing that and what happened was I would pray the rosary then I'd read the Urantia book oh my goodness I would think I'll pray the rosary in case what that woman said was true and I'll read the Urantia book to feed my intellect and it didn't take very long before I sensed deep in my being that there was a war between the rosary and this book and I used to set the book on a little nightstand right by my bed, uh, you know, and go to sleep at night. I'd read for 20 minutes or so, turn the light out and go to sleep. Well, then I started putting the rosary on top of the book. I thought, no, nah, I shouldn't put the rosary on that book. So I moved the book onto the floor and put the rosary on my bedstand. And soon I kicked the book under the bed and left it there for months until I found it. When I was cleaning out and threw it away, I quit reading it. Something was telling me that book is not helping you. And I didn't know what that something was, but I I had such peace praying the rosary and that began to feed the flames of faith. Yeah. 
and something I'm noticing uh, throughout this this narrative, you know, you talking about how how the voice inside of you uh, is telling you not to believe in this woman that it seems to me <laughs> that that book or the, the, had some sort of influence and maybe even open the door for for uh you know uh the devil's influence in your life that that this and and obviously the the whole lifestyle that you're living before that it's clear that uh at this moment you were in intense spiritual conflict and that uh Char's testimony didn't seem if it were by itself just kind of you know the words or what have you just just the woman uh it wouldn't have the effect but it it seems that our lady was clearly present in that conversation present in that war that you were undergoing and kind of the other side of it lifting you up that that uh for you to come to such a clear recognition that the rosary is better than the the hogwash as i think uh, grandma would have called it <laughs> yes the hogwash <laughs> she would have yes uh, that the rosary is 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 a more powerful thing it, it seems that that that's not just you it's it's you know as as christ says when he uh when he uh, ordains peter uh flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but from my father that it's clear that that God was still interested in you and, and really trying to get to you. And that it, through your intellectual pursuit, even, I think that even if it led you maybe astray, that there was, uh, it seems to me, a sense of of uh, a real conviction and honesty that you were trying to uphold and, and follow. Yeah, that's interesting to say that, Nicholas. I, uh, the one thing I wanted to do was be real and truthful and sincere which is why I was rejecting faith because I thought, oh, I'm not sincere. It's just my imagination because of some motivation. But uh, you're right. I realized there's something stronger pulling me that something is outside of myself and there was a battle going on inside of me. And I also, now that you mention it, realized just what a role not only our blessed lady had in my life, but two other women, Char and my mom, because my mom had been praying for me. And the role of the feminine, St. John Paul II called it the feminine genius, is really true in my case, because it was these women who had a strength that was different than a masculine strength, but was a strength nevertheless that simply entered, planted, watered, stepped back, and guided me in a motherly kind of way. And that guidance and that planting and that watering were the seeds of faith that drew me to Christ, who then began to prevail and has only grown larger in my life, showing me the power of his word, the clarity, the stability of his word in truth pursuits, and the falsehood of the enemy and the clever disguises that he uses. I think you're absolutely right. This was a spiritual battle. And of course the Lord won out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I mean, I guess from my own perspective, it's funny because I remember hearing these stories when I was little and thinking, how is this possible? Because in my life, I mean, you know, I, I of course know my grandparents very well, <laughs> that, that knowing my grandpa and hearing that you and him were both caught up in this weird book, I thought that's so weird. Like, because I've only ever known you both to be, you know, men of faith, men of, 
of extreme conviction but then hearing that my uh admiration for my grandmother which i already had a lot of <laughs> just grew even more to know that both of these men who i know in my life to be uh examples of the manhood that i want to um follow <laughs> that both of them have been uh kind of guided and and tugged by this uh incredible woman and it's funny she's you know if you'd meet her she's so sweet and uh <laughs> gentle but but uh it's obvious that there's great strength there as well yeah because uh, my my dad and i were would read that crazy book and discuss it and my mom would tell us put that book away and we just thought she was such a simple <laughs> right it's this and i think it's part of the disguise that the enemy uses it is appeal to our arrogance mm-hmm. the disguise of, of sophistication of course uh, that that oh the sophisticates don't fall for that right. and I had bought into that that's why I didn't really want to go hear Shar and her witness I was too sophisticated I'm a college student I'm a military veteran I I'm in my twenties I know better my mother just told my dad and I you guys are reading hogwash <laughs> you should put that away and uh, eventually my father put it away too and then they both had even more profound religious experiences through Our Lady by going to a conference well, about five years later, five or six years later after this episode for me. My mom always kind of maintained her faith but it was not as sharp and as 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 firm as it is today and that happened at this conference on Mary that she and my dad went to in Denver, Colorado in the mid-90s but my dad experienced a much more thorough conversion at that conference, but he was a little more delayed than I. For me, it happened at that time, and Shar continued to check up on me. So she continued to foster, as did my mom. The two of them uh, were praying for me and had been praying for me. And my mother gave me an old missile that she had from her pre-Vatican II childhood days that had the rosary in it. And I used that to pray the rosary because I didn't know how. And the two of them just continued to encourage me. And Shar also gave a little cassette tape back in those days uh, before digital. (laughs) We had cassette tapes. And it was a tape of Medjugorje and the messages and and the witness of the, the kids and what happened. The persecution that they endured. And I would just listen to it when I'd drive in the car. And again, it would always move me to tears. It so convicted me that I eventually really, really deepened my faith. Although there still were some challenging times ahead at that time, I didn't realize. Right. I think, uh, I think that uh, in you kind of talking about this, uh, you know, I'm just thinking of all of the people who I've talked to over the phone for School of Faith, as, as we've talked about before, that were having an initiative to contact people who've been involved with us, thanking them, asking them if they, for their intentions. So many of them have loved ones, children, grandchildren, who uh, have fallen away from the faith, who have experienced this um, kind of darkness that you said that you were going through and, and, and are most likely still going through it, I'm sure. Uh, anyone in the audience will be able to relate that that they have some loved ones who are far from Christ. Uh, what what would you say is would be your message from this story of your conversion to people like that? Yeah, good question. I think um, I think first it's the power of prayer and penance, uh, particularly the rosary. Uh, my mom was praying for me uh, without my knowing it. Shar 
uh, knew she was going to give this witness and told me years later that she prepared for that witness by praying for me and the audience who was there every day in the rosary and giving me by name over to the Blessed Virgin Mary to do for me what the Blessed Mother did for her, Shar. And I didn't know this leading up to it. So that's the first one. Second, being a witness and not feeling like you have to have all the answers. So I think too oftentimes we're intimidated by being a witness because we think, well, how am I going to respond to their intellectual skeptical complaints? And I'm, I want our audience to know that the skepticism is not rooted in the intellect. Right. It's rooted right. in something deeper. It's moral. I realize that my doubts had to do more with my sins than they did with my philosophy. My philosophy was muddled, but it was muddled because the moral life was cluttering my intellectual life. And it usually happens that way. And my moral life was off because I hadn't a relationship with God. And so it is. When we clear up the relationship with God, our moral life clears. Once our moral life clears, our intellectual life will become much more clear. We oftentimes think of it backwards because our culture thinks of it backwards. So that'd be the other thing I would say is prayer and penance and realize that your witness is very powerful. You don't need to think you have all the answers. You need to simply have conviction. And if you don't have the answer, that does help. That'd be the fourth thing I would say is having answers help. Right. Maybe in our next episode, we could discuss that for part of my, that yeah. facet of my conversion because yeah. the intellectual answers, because I was hungry for the truth, that really paved a solid foundation, but it didn't create, it didn't initiate the foundation. Uh, so so uh, prayer penance, the witness of someone, particularly women, strong women, their, the rosary in particular, and not feeling like you have to have all the answers, but how the answers do help. Well, thank you for that. So this will conclude uh, episode one. I will continue this with episode two, where I want to investigate more the intellectual foundation for the faith and how important it is to have ready answers for the hope that is in us, as St. Peter says in his letters. But we'll save that for next time. <laughs> Why don't we close? And in closing, I want to invite our audience, if you would be so kind, to pray for Charlene Mackignon, uh, she was a Scotch. Her husband was of Scotch descent. Her husband is Joe. Her daughter's Rhonda. And Char will be in, laid to rest and interred on May 8th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. At 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time, they'll be praying a rosary, the Holy Rosary for her. So I invite any of you to, to pray for her repose as a sign of gratitude uh, for any strong person in your life who's brought about your conversion for your moms, your dads, any other witnesses you've had. If it's been school of faith that you offer this on on her on on my behalf for her because she helped me so much. Right. If it's your involvement in the apostles of the interior life for the same reason. So that's May 8th, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, her funeral, 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time, her rosary. So let us close in a beautiful prayer to Our Lady out of gratitude for the work that she does to bring Christ to bear in the hearts of so many. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady, Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, pray for us. Saint Zita, 
pray for us. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next time.